welcome to Popcorn for One, your fortnightly film podcast where we review some classic and not so classic films for you all to enjoy. We also discuss everything that goes on in between, some stand and fandom life, and we just generally chat about movies because you know what? That's what makes us happy. Cinema Club 2023 is here and we are here for it. Wednesday, 28th of August 2023. Welcome to Popcorn for One, your fortnightly film podcast. How are you, besties? How have you been enjoying summer? Did you even get summer? We did. Well, that moment is sunny. God knows how long that's going to last, but yeah. This is a hodgepodge episode because there were so many things I wanted to talk about, and it's actually going to end up being quite long, but it also won't. I'm wondering, considering what I'm fitting in, we've got a lot to talk about. So this is what we're going to do. First of all, we're going to do a thing I promised you months ago that I'd do, and I've never got round to it. We are going to do the James Bond ranking. Then we are going to talk about what I've watched in the last fortnight. Then we're going to talk about my trip to secret cinema. And then we're going to talk about how my A to Z of film is going. Then we're going to talk about what you've been watching at home and at the cinema. Then we're going to talk about my first ever IMAX experience. Then we're going to talk something fun that I'm going to be doing going forward. And then we are going to have this fortnight's big review. That is a lot. I've not yet recorded the rundown. And at the moment it's saying this is a 45 minute episode. So this is going to be at least an hour and five. Probably. So good luck. And we'll just crack on and get through all of this because I wanted to get as much of it said this week as possible because the following fortnight I have a plan which you'll hear at the end of the episode. Let's do this. I promised you a few episodes ago that I'd give you an official Bond ranking and I've never done that. I am so sorry. Um, Things have just got out of hand and I've just had a lot to talk about through each episode so that is what we are going to do the actual list you can all view on letterbox now so that is fine but we will go from 25 upwards okay so bottom of the list is moonraker we're at 25 24 is from russia with love 23 is octopussy 22 is die another day 21 doctor no 20 tomorrow never dies 19, No Time to Die. 18, Diamonds Are Forever. 17, Live and Let Die. 16, Spectre. 15, Fundable. 14, The Spy Who Loved Me. 13, Quantum of Solace. 12, The World Is Not Enough. 11, For Your Eyes Only. 10, Goldfinger. 9, sorry, Golden Eye. Eight, you only live twice. Seven, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Six, Skyfall, Apple Crumble. Five, The Living Daylights. Four, A View to a Kill. Three, License to Kill. Two, Casino Royale. And number one, The Man with the Golden Gun. Yep, scan and go after watching all of that. Still... It is basically, it probably actually is a Bond film, it's a Scaramanga film, but I love a villain. 
you all know about. You've all been here long enough. So, yeah, The Man with the Golden Gun is my favourite Bond film of all time. I know a lot of you will kick off because I have put Quantum Third in the Craigslist. Um, but no, that is my official Bond ranking. You can view that if you go to my letterbox page, which is popcorn underscore four underscore one. Um, and you can click on the list or you can click on the stats and it will appear on the all time stats page um, with a ranking on there. Um, but yeah, you can look at that. Um, I am at the moment doing reviews in advance for some of the Bond films. So then they're up and they're on there. And yeah, we will get to it soon. And that's that. That is my official James Bond ranking. I hope you've learnt something there. It's time for the rundown, peoples. Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13 films of which you are getting two of them reviewed. So it's going to be 11. Maybe this won't take 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, I make myself laugh, don't I? Let's have a look, shall we? We'll start off with the first film that I watched for Fortnite, which was The Good Liar. Um, there have been some pictures of Russell Tovey posing with certain people at certain events, mainly Pedro Pascal. Um, so I was sitting there going, I was thinking, oh, I could watch Gavin Stacey again, or I could watch this, or I could watch that. So it's like, I've got him on The Good Liar, and I've not watched that for a couple of years, so I'll put that on. So I watched The Good Liar, and it is so clever, the foreshadowing. For anyone that's not seen The Good Liar, it's Mirren and McKellen, and they are an older couple who meet on a dating website. And um, turns out he is a con man. He's trying to con her out of all the money. But there's more to it than that. I think Act 2 is a little bit all over the place. But Act 1 and Act 3 are so good and solid that you forgive Act 2 when halfway through it's like, hang on. I think they play their hand a little bit too early, which is kind of the case with the whole film. But the foreshadowing is so clever. And, yeah, there's so many bits and bobs going on. Once you've seen it once, the second time you watch it, you go, ah, oh, so, yeah, yeah, And then the more times you watch it, you go, that is so good. It's so well written. And you just think, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, they've done well there. It's well worth watching. If you've not seen The Good Liar, I thoroughly recommend that you go and watch The Good Liar. Then I went to the cinema and I watched Gran Turismo. Um... I didn't have much hope for this film, if I'm honest, because it had been advertised. You know how a film is advertised so much so that you get sick of it? A bit like what I'm about to do with Blue Beetle tomorrow, which will have been yesterday for you, but you won't get that for another two weeks. Um, and you just sit there and just go, this isn't going to live up to the hype. This isn't going to be good. Um, I think it's probably my surprise film of the year. <laughs> um, oh, whoa. Uh, there was a point. It's based on true story, and if you've seen all these sport underdog stories, you will know how all these films end and how it happens in real life. And I just had a look around the cinema, and there was a point where it was near the end of Act 3, and there were some people leaning forward and sitting back in their chairs looking really stressed, and then one person at the end of it, when something happened, went, yes! And I was like, oh, wow. If a film can make you do that, even though you know probably what the outcome's going to be, that means it's a good film because it's emotionally engaged you and it's made you sit there and go, whoa, huh, yeah. So in that respect, it was very, very good. Um, the down point of the film is Jerry Halliwell Horner. 
She's not the best actress in the world. I can understand why she's in this film. A lot of it is filmed at Silverstone and Milton Keynes and the Red Bull Ring. Obviously, for those of you who do not know, Jerry Halliwell married Christian Horner, um, my team principal of my Formula One team, um, which is Red Bull, which is based out of Milton Keynes and that Red Bull ring. You know, there's some, there's some Red Bull money behind it. And she was in it. And I was expecting her to be like maybe a PR person for the team or something like that. But she was his mum and her overacting brings the whole thing down. If he had had a better mum and Jerry had been like a part of a marketing team or like his press person or his handler, it would have made a bit more sense because we know she knows a bit more about Formula One than just sitting there busy going, I'm so proud of you, sweetie. And just being like, oh, no, you might have crashed. Oh, no, you might have done this. Oh, you should, you should chase your dream. And yeah, she's the worst part of the film, but other than that, and the driver in it, the actual real-life guy of the film is based on, does all the driving in the film. And the way it kind of like links it to the video game graphics is really clever. It's not actually a video game movie, but it is a video game movie. Because it's a real-life story. And it's, it's fun, it's a proper underdog story, and it's probably going to be my surprise film of the year. I then got home from that, and I went... And flick for channels, and literally uh, about 10 minutes in was Casino Royale, and you just leave it on because you know Mads is being evil and Daniel Craig's in that suit. I think Daniel Craig was coming out of the sea, yeah. Daniel Craig was coming out of the sea when I started watching it, so ah, yeah, that'll do. So I sat around and watched it. I've already chatted about Casino Royale, and we've just done the Bond ranking, so you know, yeah, that was really enjoyable. I then went up to London. I had messages from my sister going, we're going to see Oppenheimer in IMAX. I'm like, oh, okay. I've probably told, we'll talk to you about this when we get to IMAX. So I then, for the first time ever, went to go and see Oppenheimer in IMAX. And cinema will never be the same. And I also learned a few things about Oppenheimer that I hadn't seen the first time. If you want to know exactly what I think about Oppenheimer, I recommend you go back and you look for the podcast that was on. I'm just checking the date. When was it? The 26th of July. That's the podcast you need to listen to about my feelings of Oppenheimer because I talked about it for almost 20 minutes, I think. Yeah, it was that good. Then you're flicking the channels and you're seeing what's on. You're like, oh, I'll watch this and I'll watch that. And I found um, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, it's always good to watch Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, Johnny Depp's absolutely phenomenal. Um it does set it up for a sequel, and that is annoying, but it is really clever. Now knowing, I think that's the first time I've seen it since I've watched um, Secrets of Dumbledore. Now knowing how that then goes, it's like, oh, okay, so I'm watching it in a different way because I now know the outcome of that. I really do hope we get the next two after that. If we don't, I will be gutted. I'll probably be the only person in the world gutted that we don't get the rest of the Fantastic Beast series, but, you know, we'll get there eventually. I hope. If not, it has rounded off at a good place, but I really wish I knew the end. Because <laughs> I want to see this Wizarding War. I want to see what happens. Yeah. But no, it's still good. I still really like it. So Then it was the A to Z of cinema and um, of my physical media. Um, and I asked people what I should watch. And people said that I should watch Australia. I had a few people that said that. So I watched it. And I started it, like, really early because it's a three-hour film. <laughs> and it's a three-hour film which half of it is an advert for Australia because Baz Luhrmann basically wanted to advertise the country and get people to go to it. And then 20% of the rest of it is Hugh Jackman either looking very rough and rugged or without a shirt on or being very romantic or swearing. 
and the rest of it's a bit meh. Ben Mendelsohn turns up. They have a bit halfway through where everyone gets bombed in Darwin because um, it's during the World War and Ben Mendelsohn starts being a bit stressed and there's a big cattle thing going on and there's all sorts of stuff happening in this film and it just... Where Elvis tries to be 27 things and is 25 of them, this tries to be 20 things and is only two of them. Does that make sense? Baz dismissed the mark with Australia. He should have had an absolute home run with it and it just didn't work. Even with the fact that Wizard of Oz is mentioned so often, that's just like, you're just playing into people's hands, Baz. You're better than that. Don't do that, please. Then I was at my parents and I was flicking through their channels and because I was there watching football, I was waiting for dinner and I found the Truman Show. So I watched most of the Truman Show um, from the beginning to the point where um, he goes missing. And I was like, oh, oh mum, like, it's dinner. I was like, oh, the Truman Show's on. She's like, you've got this at home. I'm like, I know. She's like, but you've got it at home. So I had to turn it off. But, you know, Truman Show is still absolutely iconic and so good. So clever, and Jim Carrey should have got an Oscar for it. Absolutely. Then I went to go see Secret Cinema. You're getting that in a minute as a review. Enjoy. Then it was my um anniversary for going to see Cine World um, and being a member, and so I watched the film that started it all off. I watched Baby Teeth, and I sat here. And if you've not heard me talk about Baby Teeth before, um, sorry. Um, because I have talked about it a few times on this podcast. Um, but I sat there and I cried my eyes out at Ben Mendelsohn at the end because you know Ben Mendelsohn is the most horrible, ruthless person in movies, and he's mean and he's blah, and blah, despite what I said in Australia, um, and yeah, I sat there and I cried and it's really sad, um, and it's really thought provoking and I love the way that it's done in chapters, but it's not and see it's become a rage story, but it's becoming of your life and it's what people think and what people do it's just yeah there's there's so many layers to it um i think you can still watch it on netflix um but i would thoroughly recommend that you will watch baby chief because it is beautiful and i do always love so much and it it hurts it does it really hurts but it's amazing then I went and saw Haunted Mansion. That is this fortnight's actual big review, which you will eventually get to. I promise you will. Um, so we will get to that in a bit. Then I went to the cinema and I saw Strays, um, the real feral film where he's voicing the dog and he's a stray dog and his owner decides to play fetch with him, but he leaves him in the centre of Chicago and he drives home, which is like 300 miles away. So him and a load of other stray dogs decide that they're going to help him return back to his owner and it's stuff that goes along the way um and there's a few running jokes throughout it some are really obvious and some are quite small and one of the things that's mentioned earlier on is the markings that um Reggie the dog had seen for his journey on the way in to remember to go back to get to his owner and it was the massive hamster wheel which is a ferris wheel um the cone in the sky which was a set of mountains and have a massive dog cone which was mountains and the devil in the sky and at no point during his drive into town did you see what the devil in the sky was i just like oh, okay okay and the payoff about 
50 minutes later as to what the devil in the sky is, I full on fell about. It was hilarious. I'm also quite grateful that it stuck its ending. So often do films like this promise you an ending, but women don't actually provide it. But what the trailer says, without spoiling it, happens. So if you've not seen the trailer, I've not spoiled it for you. If you have seen the trailer, my bad. But it happens and it's worse than you think it's going to be. It's absolutely horrendous, but it's such a payoff. And it's so clever. And Isla Fisher being a foul-mouthed little dog is just like, yes. I know. I love Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher's fantastic. Um, but that is such a good payoff. It's just like, yes, girl, go for it. <sighs> love it. Then I've been trying to catch up with some of my films that are starting to become classics. It's starting to get turned about 20, 15 years old. So you can start being like, well, okay, this film's now old enough that... You know, you can watch it back, which is, you know, as a teenager, I didn't necessarily get it. If it had been now, I'd have gone to have seen this film in the cinema and come out of it and gone, oh, okay. But in 2004, I didn't. So I went to see The Day After Tomorrow. Jake Gyllenhaal is stupidly underrated in this film. I know I sit here and I quite often preach for Jake Gyllenhaal church, but oh my God, Jake Gyllenhaal is phenomenal in this um, the only problem is all of the other teenagers that he's with in this film are not as phenomenal as him and he's doing all the hard work in the bit in New York. Um, Dennis Quaid is good. Didn't expect to have back-to-back Dennis Quaid. Um, but he, my bad. He's just cameo in Australia. Um, he was all right. Um, it was also the fact that the president really didn't pay attention to anyone. The vice president. There's some things that happen on screen that you don't see. You just think, oh, okay. There's some deaths that you care for. And I was really looking forward to it because so much happened in Act 1. There was so much science. And then Act 2, things started going down. Just like, oh, oh are we going to have one more, like, big storm in Act 3? Is this going to happen? Is that going to... And Act 3 just kind of petered out. And I felt a little bit let down. I really wanted more. However, there was one section... Where kids were in the New York Public Library and they're busy trying to keep warm, so they're burning books and they're busy sitting there going, I'm not going to burn Shakespeare. Well, I don't want to burn Austin. And this kid just popped his head out and went, Guys, there's a whole section here about taxation from the 1980s. Let's just burn it. As an accountant, I full on appreciate that. Thank you very much. I laughed for about two minutes afterwards. I should not have laughed about that for more than four seconds, but I full on laughed at it and it was, it nailed it. It really did. Ah, yes. And finally, the last film of my A to Z, well, not of my A to Z, but of my week, and it was the A to Z of films, was B, and I watched Bean, the ultimate disaster movie from 1997. And I remember really wanting to watch this because I was like, when I was younger, because as a kid in the UK, you grow up with Mr. Bean, you watch him, you watch Ryan Atkinson, you watch all the Blackadder reruns. That's what you did. Also, the theme song was done by Boyzone. I am a massive Boyzone fan. I'm still going to sit here today and say I'm a massive Boyzone fan because I am. And so I remember at school, this, my mum and one of her friends used to run the PTA and they would raise money and once a term they would put on a film showing. So they give kids a little like can of pop, a couple of sweets, and they'd put on a film. And because my I was younger, but they would put on like something that was a bit more darker for not darker but longer for the um adult adults, uh, not adult adults um older children in school. So obviously I was like five. How old would I have been? Like so, I'd have been 
eight. I'd have probably been seven in 97 because it would have been in the summer um, for that. So they put on Miss... No, it would have been 1998 we showed it. So, yeah, it would have been eight. Um, so they put on Mr Bean and... I went to see Kids One of any other of the older kids one was on afterwards. My mum was like, You could stay for that. I was like, wonderful, brilliant, thank you. And I remember watching that and thinking that was hilarious and so much fun. You watch it back now, it is so wrong, the attitudes and the way it's dated. And the fact that she moans at him for going out and getting drunk once and assumes that three days is enough to get divorced from her husband because he can't get rid of the art guy because the art people won't put him up in a hotel. It's not his fault that he wasn't actually the right person because the British Gallery wanted to get rid of him. And he got drunk once. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. There's a lot more issues there. Unless we've seen stuff off screen, then that's not the case. Um, also, um, learn from Big Bang Theory, isn't it? <laughs> Which is really random. And... Oh, Rowan Atkinson does a really good performance. You know, no matter how dated Mr Bean now looks in whichever guys you watch him in, you sit there and you watch Rowan Atkinson give a performance in any of them, be it the shorts or the long ones or the films, you sit there and go, yeah, yeah, he's still got it. He's definitely still got it. I mean, I was talking about the Olympics the other week and in the Philharmonic Orchestra playing the piano and being rubbish at it. But he was just Rowan Atkinson there. He wasn't actually Mr Bean, but he was imagining it like he was Mr Bean that makes sense <sighs> yeah i had a lot of fun watching being the disaster movie it could have been a lot better i think 90 minutes is the correct thing there's a lot of very rushed plot points but i think they just wanted to try and get him out in the world and have him do weird stuff a bit of a theme park that's brilliant i love that oh no it holds a fun place in my heart and that's why i can't snag it off because it's been Rowan Atkinson, what's to Mona? It's so good. Also, Sandra O oh is the art curator, the other one, which is like, ah, poor old Whistler's mother. That's it. That is what I've watched in the last fortnight. Hopefully there's something there for you either at home or at the cinema for you to get your teeth into and to have a watch. Um, sorry there's not been as many random things from Netflix. It's just been me actually picking stuff. Um, or going to the cinema, but we're doing the 80s in the film. I want to make sure that it's done properly, so yeah. That's it. That's what I've watched in the last two weeks. Didn't quite take 20 minutes, took 17. That's not bad at all. So yeah, enjoy your viewing and find something from that lot that you might be interested in. So as night follows day, if you've all been here before and you are here recently, you will know that when it comes to being a secret cinema, it's automatically reviewed on this podcast. And we've had a lot of secret cinemas. It's like buses. You wait for a while and three turn up at once. So, yeah, this is what we're doing. We're having another secret cinema and we're going to have a bit of a chat about it because, you know, talking about something about secret cinema then make might make you, when it comes out, go, you know what, I'm going to go see it. That's the point. Um, I had no idea what this was going to be, though. Um, as for the last couple, Ojin had also ran this on the same day, um, but they had given out their clues for their advanced screening. I was busy sitting there, looking at it, going through, oh, okay, yes, and yeah. I had no idea what the film was going to be. Um, there was like six different options, like, hmm, this is interesting, this is going to be hard to do. And I was just like, how's this going to work? So... 
I walked in there and I genuinely had no idea what it was going to be. Um, I'd say it was probably about half full. It wasn't as full as it was for when it was Talk To Me or Joyride. Um, I actually got my seat in screen one, my favourite seat, which is always very nice. I love when I get L13. Uh, so much so that if I get L13 and I go to the cinema with other people, I will give that other guests L13 so I can see how good the view is. And then go, yeah, this is good. I'm like, yeah, that's why I sit there. That's why I've sat in L14 or L12 for you. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. So sat there and I've watched all the trailers go through and it was a few things that it could have possibly been, but I still was none the wiser as to what it could have been. And when it came up and the title card flashed up and it said that it was Scrappers, I was like, that still doesn't help. Not really. So I sat there and I watched Scrappers. Um, It is a coming-of-age story about a little girl whose mum has died. It happens in the first five minutes of the film. That's not spoiling it. And her dad tries to reconnect with her. Um, Her dad is played by Harris Dickerson. Um, Dickinson, not Dickinson. Um, but I don't think he's a very good actor. There have been a few films recently where they have pushed him to be the lead man, be it in a murder mystery or a rom-com or a drama or a film about influencers and, or this one where he's being the dad and he's... You know, he's suddenly got to reconnect with his daughter, who's 12, who he's never met before. Um, the only thing that I've seen him in that he's been any good in was The Kingsman. And that was during the bit when it was um the war section of the film. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah, he was good in that bit. But the rest of it was like, he's not a good actor and... I know that he's meant to be a bit all over the place in this, but there was only one scene where I was at all vaguely convinced that he had any sort of acting ability at all, and it was a bit where he didn't actually really have to act. Um, There's a bit where at a train station and he was trying to teach his girl a game that him and his ex-girlfriend, who was her mum, who, when we had this kid, we were very, very, very young, um, they used to pretend what other people were having a conversation of, and they do that, and people on the other side of the train station go, oh, it makes sense, this film, um, in the coming of age story of um, what it's like to be a 12-year-old not growing up with that much money and no real support. Um, it was weird because it wasn't a documentary, but there was points in it where they went and chatted to people that had bumped into them throughout their throughout this girl's life so far and chat to him like it wasn't a documentary but at no point does anyone behind the camera actually ask her how are you feeling how's your grief or how ask the dad why have you come back and why have you done this and I get it to a certain point but there were points where it just felt a little bit like do we really need this do we really need that um I get the bonding and I get the whole tiktok thing and it was nice and artsy and crafty but it didn't tug at my heartstrings in a way I thought it was when it got to the end and it was like oh this has happened and that's happened I wasn't like oh is this going to go wrong or is this going to go right um I knew how it was going to play out at the end because it's how all these coming of age films do play out at the end um when you change from either being a child to a teen or a teen to a young adult or a young adult to an adult um the kids were quite funny um there were a few bits where I full-on laughed. 
Um, but overall, it probably wouldn't have been a film that if it had been on at the time that I could get to it, that I would have actually gone, you know what, yeah, I'll go watch that. Um, I do like the fact that well, I know nothing about a film and I can't even Google it before I go to Secret Cinema. That is pretty cool. Um, but this probably would have worked better as like a one-hour programme on BBC Two talking about... Um, social and um people being underprivileged and um the government not properly working for them and not having the correct support system in place um but what it did that was good was in nice to watch and it was enjoyable um but there were points where it was just like We've made this to get this and to get this out of the system and to prove that this is broken and that's broken, that people don't actually care. But what it should have actually concentrated a bit more on was the grieving stages of various different people throughout. Also, the lack of using doors and climbing over fences. And the fact that the um, other mum of the other kid that was in the film um, was played by the girl that appeared in the last Gavin and Stacey Christmas special. I sat there going, like, I know you. I did the DiCaprio and I was like, no, who is she? She's. Mm. And I got home and I googled. I was like, "Yeah, she's that girl." Yeah. So that was that whole part when she appeared. It's like, ah, that makes sense. And got. I love some calling the caterpillar, okay, haven't you? You really do. So yeah, Scrapper was secret cinema. Um, some of you will enjoy it. Some of you will think, nah. and some of you will just go, "Oh, this is another standard." Um coming of age child leaving your childhood um processing a few things behind for kind of film which is what it exactly is it doesn't break any new grounds um it's not funny enough for it to be a comedy um but it's also it has the it doesn't add the drama for drama's sake in too much of a dramatic way when it adds drama would be something that would happen in that respect but (sighs) it needed a stronger male lead um, when I saw um after sign of the year earlier in the year, I said that Paul Manskill was really good in it, um, and he was correct for that. But Harris Dickinson is not at that level yet to do that. He, we're not even talking the same category. Mentioning his name linked to that is just an insult to after sign Paul, definitely. So yeah, Secret Cinema was Scrapper. Um, some of you will enjoy it, and some of you will just go, "Oh, that was cliche and a bit predictable," but. It's got a heart of gold. It just doesn't know how to fully unlock it. That was what happened at Secret Cinema. So, as you probably heard earlier on, we are doing quite well in the A to Z of physical media that I talked to you about last time. Yeah. We have done A for Australia and B for Bean, the ultimate disaster movie. So, in the next fortnight, we will be watching C and D, definitely. Maybe E. It all depends. Let's have a look at what I have for the letter C, shall we? Call me by your name, Carnage. Cars, catch me if you can, Central Intelligence. Charlie and Chocolate Factory, Chicken Run, Christopher Robin. Cinderella, both animated and live action. Closer, Colossal Contagion, Contraband, Coyote Ugly and Crazy Stupid Love. I've asked people for their opinions on these already. If I don't get any, I have a rough idea about what I actually do want to watch within that section. So that is interesting to see there. Then we have D, which has Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Ma- Madness. Marvelous Madness? I've lost a plot. Oh, well. We also have June, Daddy's Home, 
Dallas Buyers Club, The Damned United, The Danish Girl, Darkest Hour, David Brent, Life on the Road, The Da Vinci Code, and the follow-ups, Angels and Demons and Inferno. We would not watch Inferno because the next one in my Da Vinci watching is Angels and Demons. So that would be that. Um, Deadpool and Deadpool 2. Deepwater Horizon. Departed. Well, The Departed. The Descendants. Detective Pikachu. Detroit. Did you hear about Morgan's? All of the diehards. Die Hard. Die Harder. Die Harder and Vengeance. Live Free or Die Hard. A Good Day to Die Hard. Dirty Dancing, Django Unchained, Donnie Darko, Downsizing, Dunkirk, and Duplicity. I actually have no preference as to what I would like to watch for D. Um, I know I said I would tell you any rules, but we will not be watching the Da Vinci Code. We watched that literally a week ago. Um, and I'm going through them in order because that would be a good thing to do. Um, so, yeah, there won't be... Da Vinci Code on the list, and there won't be Inferno either. I know that they technically aren't alphabetical order because it's Angels and Demons, but it's within the Da Vinci um, section. And also Dan Brown, because that was his name. You overbooked, so that's why that's there. So, yeah, that is the physical media options for the next fortnight. We might get to E, we might not. It all depends. There's not many films, but begin with an E. And also, I should have timed this a little bit better and done the thought about this a week before, because then I could have sat there and gone, well, we'll do, very quickly do C and D and then do E as well, so then put Equalizer 2 within that, but nah, I'm not going to get to that by the time we get to the day of York Day, which we'll talk about in a bit. So yeah, those are the E option, uh, uh, C to D options, and hopefully you can help me pick which films I should watch in my A to Z of physical media. It is time to look at what you've all been watching in the last two weeks. Oh, yes, it is. And we'll go back to how we usually do it, shall we? We will go back to our home viewing first. So up to the 9th of August, the number one in the home viewing chart was The Little Mermaid. Happy days. Dungeons and Dragons on Among Thieves was at two. Super Mario Bros. was at three. Guardians of the Galaxy was at four. The Meg was at five. Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken was at six. The Flash, the one that has literally been out in the cinema for like two days, was at seven. John Wick Chapter 8 was... John Wick Chapter 4, not Chapter 8, was at eight. That's why I got that wrong. Top Gun Maverick was at nine. And A Man Called Otto was at ten. There were... There was one new entry that week, and that was for Book Club for the Next Chapter, which... Apparently did appear in the cinemas, but I actually have no recollection of it coming up to or not that I was going to watch it because the first one was dire enough. But that entered the chart in the mid-twenties as a new entry as well. So that's interesting to see if that was that week. And then for the weekend in the 16th of August, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was at number one. Mm. Yeah. The Little Mermaid was at two. Super Mario Bros. was at three. Dungeons and Dragons was at four. The Meg was at five. Guardians Volume 3 was at six. John Wick Chapter 4 was at seven. Ruby Gillum Teenage Kraken was at eight. Top Gun Maverick was at nine. And Secrets of Dumbledore was at ten. Uh, the Flash dropped dramatically to number 15, just above um, Fast X, which is interesting. Um, there was no other new entries other than Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse in your home viewing chart for the, for that week up to the 16th. So that is very interesting to see if that was the case there. 
But now we will look at your cinema takings for the fortnight. Um, we will start with the 4th to 6th of August. Um, wasn't as ex- wasn't as ooh, as we all thought it was going to be. Barbie wasn't number one. It was the third week in the chart, and Barbie took seven point nine million pound in its third week. Oppenheimer was at two, taking five point four million. Ah, the Meg Two, which was the highest new entry, took three hundred seventy no three million seven hundred thousand. At three, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was also a new film, took 360,000 at four. Mission Impossible Day of Reckoning Part One took one million at five. Every film inside the top five took over a million. That is good state of cinema. Doesn't matter if the rest of the year it all falls apart and does this and that, and da, 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 da. but you know, that is very good. Elemental was at six, taking 832,000. Then there's a big drop till you get to Joyride, taking 389,007. Rocky Arena Cape Kahani, I've mispronounced that. I'm so sorry, took 269,008. Talk to me took 253,009. And Indiana Jones and Madonna Destiny took 191,000 at 10. Um, Disney are busy at the moment because it's their birthday. It's a hundred years since Disney happened. Um, are showing um some of their classics back in the cinemas, and they're showing them at the worst times ever. I understand, but it's well, it's some holidays and one, and it's for kids. It's not meant to be for me, but you know, maybe I'd like to go and see that Disney film in the cinema, and you're stifling me from not allowing me to do it because you're putting it on at ten o'clock in the morning, and for some reason Saturday showings are for families only, and Sundays are all automatically booked out at ten a.m. and I can't get to any other ones during the week, which is a right pain. Um, however, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was re-released, and that took over seventy six thousand pounds. Mm, that was very good to see and good to hear. So that was that week. Then we will look at the weekend of the eleventh and the thirteenth. Of August. Barbie stayed at number one. Barbie took 4.4 million pounds. Oppenheimer was at two. And that took 3.1 million pounds. Oh my god. Um, The Meg 2 stayed at three. Taking 1.5 million. And Gran Turismo um, took 1.04 million at four. Good on it. That was very cool. And very yeah. Um. Haunted Mansion was at five, taking 990,000. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles took 795,000 at six. Jayla, which I've never heard of, took 727,000 at seven. Day of Reckoning took 568,000 at eight. Elemental took 441,000 at nine. And Garda 2 um, took 212,000 at ten. That is interesting there. Also, that week there was no um Disney re-release but made the um top 15, which is interesting to see. Um, But it is very interesting to see that even though there are now more bigger films or blockbustery kind of films coming out, but Barbie is still staying strong and so is Oppenheimer. Barbie so far in the UK has taken up to this point, up to the um 13th of... August has taken seventy eight million pounds, which is so good. However, 
Oppenheimer, which has never been at number one, and it now actually holds the record for the highest grossing film of all time to never be number one at the box office. That's taken £45 million. That's astonishing. And, you know, it's not number one at the box office. It's like, hmm, really? Oh, okay. But that's absolutely like, oh, my God. Good on it. But that is still, you know, we're now a month in. We're a month by the time that you get to my next podcast, by the time um, this has actually been released, we're now a month into Barbenheimer. Um, And, you know, overall, that is a total of £131 million. Nope, that's just included the one underneath it, my bad. £124 million at the UK box office. Just them. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I'm very proud of what Barbie and Oppenheimer are doing. I really am. And someone actually asked me, well, haven't you seen Barbie yet again? I'm like, well, I've only seen Oppenheimer twice. Because Oppenheimer's on at awkward times because it's so long. They literally give up a screen and go, right, we're just going to put Oppenheimer in here and everything else can fight elsewhere because, you know, it's three hours. (laughs) So, yeah. I'm very proud of what Barbie and Oppenheimer are doing. I'm also glad that you have gone to see the Meg, even though, yeah and Gran Turismo, but you're also at home and you're still watching The Little Mermaid, Super Mario Bros, Dungeons and Dragons, and Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. That's what you've been watching in the last fortnight. We will see in two weeks' time whether those patterns have changed or not. I reckon that it might do in the cinema slightly, but not by much. It won't do at home either, unless something big is coming out that I have no idea about. So, yeah, that's what you've been watching, and you've all been having fun by the looks of it. So, today is the 11th of August, and I have just lost my IMAX virginity. Yeah, my sister was shocked at that as well. Um, I wanted to see Oppenheimer again, and I've been trying to see it in IMAX, um, or at one of the really art-housey um, places. All the art-housey places and all the IMAXs have had them on at horrendous times, and I've just not got to it, I'm afraid to say. I just haven't and I'm ashamed to say that but that's the way of cookie crumbles um however um I randomly this week decided to book two days off at the end of the week and I have been today and it's not the world is out to get me and to stop me seeing Oppenheimer because obviously when I first went and saw it um I booked for six o'clock show and the second I could get the tickets on sale um, and they cancelled that showing and then I had to put the 8 o'clock showing and had to rush to get there and I uh, only just about got the one seat. So, you know, this time went up on Friday, got halfway through my journey because we don't have an IMAX at My Cine World, but there's one in Crawley. Um, to start with, it wouldn't let me book it online because it's a different category cinema to the one that we have. I was like, mm, okay, fine. And then... Um, I was halfway through my journey going up there and there was a massive accident and my sat-nav just kept adding time and I didn't actually know where the Crawley IMAX was. And I was like, am I going to even get there in time for it? Um, so, yeah. So I had to go all the way through back roads. And it was one time my phone decided, actually, today we're not going to sync to your to, to the car at all and we're not going to put the sat-nav up. I was like, why isn't this happening? I haven't got time to reset everything. So I had to balance my sat-nav on my dashboard. <laughs> Um, so I could see it. Oh, this is wonderful, thanks. 
I got there. <laughs> and um, it's, I have a question about this. I understand why some places, but it, it wouldn't let me book it online because it was a Category 4 cinema. And where I go is a Category 2 or 3, I can't remember. Um, and we're like, oh, you need to actually speak to someone. I don't mind paying the extra to go and see IMAX because, you know, I pay extra to go and see something in Screen X. That's not the end of the world for me. I'm not sitting there busy going, like, oh, I don't want to do that. Um, I'm guessing it's even more expensive if I have a red card and not a black card. Um, but it's not the end of the world. It's only an extra £6 more, which is still... I know that your unlimited card pays for so many films a month or whatever. Let's say that you do it for the two, for once a month that you see it. That's not reasonable. You should do it for twice a month if you've got an unlimited card. Anyhow. Um, but... It's it's only six pound on. My sister went the night before, and she paid nineteen pound each to see an IMAX. And I've always sat here and been like, "Is IMAX actually that much more expensive? Is it worth it?" And I love my Sydney world, and I love the way it's laid out, and I love uh, the people that work there. They're so helpful, um, and I love Screen X. But I will never watch a film the same way ever again. Um, I sat. In my preferred seat, which is the equivalent of where I would sit if I was in a Brighton cinema. And I got there and it just went back and back and back and back and back, all these rows of seats. And I was like, what the heck is this? And yeah, it went up to row S, no, row T in, our, in my cinema that I went to sit in. Um, I sat in row S and I made sure I was pretty much in the middle. Um, and that screen is huge, and you can see all the way to the floor, and the noise, and oh, I'm going to get to my normal cinema next week, which you've now heard about since, and be like, is that it? Is that the size of my screen? Is that all you're giving me? Huh? I also did wear my glasses, <laughs> I thought I'd best do that just in case, because obviously um, after I had that experience with Abra a couple of weeks ago, I was like... I don't want to be sitting through something where I've paid money to see it and then be sitting there half an hour through this again. Um, their chairs, oh my god! I thought Cineworld had good. I thought my Cineworld had good chairs. That was insane. It's just like ah, oh, so comfortable. <laughs> it didn't recline, but oh, it felt good. Um, yeah, there wasn't that many people in my screening. Um, also I kind of knew that um. There's a point where there's no sound at all and then there's all the sound. And that was insane. And I, when we get to June, I'm going to sit there and say to my dad, I will pay for half your ticket. Do you want to go and see June in IMAX at Crawley? And he will probably go, yeah, I'm up for doing that. And we'll go to that. <laughs> Unless he wants to go and see it cheaply and then I'll go and see it in IMAX afterwards because I think that's going to be the only way of seeing June this year because that screen is insane. Ah, yeah. Whew. That was properly phenomenal. Um, I'll probably talk to you about Oppenheimer during the actual rest of the normal review. I don't actually need to say any more about it at all, really, because, you know, last time I chatted about it, I chatted about it for 20 minutes and did a one-off episode about it. But, no, I am glad that I've now been to an IMAX. I now know that it is worth the extra petrol and the £6 on top of that, uh, what I would probably do is go and see a film in um normal thing or Screen X at Cineworld, 
where I am, and then if it's worth it, then we'll work out if it's on at a good time at that. Whoa! Sorry, a pigeon just flew straight into my window. Oh, uh, you probably have that. I'm going to leave that in here. So, um, but yeah, no, so I'm going to go straight to, if it's worth it, I will pay the extra, if they have it in IMAX at Crawley, if you're going to do it, but I will still see it first for free, because there's no point, you know, like when I went to see the Meg, I saw it in Screen X as the only way I could see it, it's the only way you still can see it, which is a bit of a pain, a bit of a cop-out in world, you're making people pay extra to go and see a rubbish film, therefore it gets its money up, that's very clever, um, but no, I will go and see it in my cine world before then going to Crawley to pay the extra on top to see a film in IMAX. Unless it's something that's absolutely phenomenal and you know straight away is going to need it. So, yeah, definitely worth the time doing something in IMAX. Um, Oppenheimer was the perfect reason to go and test it out and I'm very happy with it. No, we'll talk about that when we actually do the rundown. I was going to say something then, but no, we will do that at a later stage. So, yeah, that is my opinion. I'm I'm very glad that I have now actually been to one, and it was worth every single penny. Something very cool is happening. This should, in theory, just be a short thing, but this may take a while to explain in various different parts. So, bear with. This is going off on a tangent at points, but it will all make sense in a minute. Um, If you've been here for ages hi i know you're out there somewhere um you know that i write a wish list at the start of every year of films that i'd like to see at the cinema um there's 32 of them and that if i watch those 32 at cine world it pays for my cinema card that's the point i know i don't necessarily see more there and that there's other films that go on in between because we've definitely done more than a 32 already this year um so i do that and I always make sure that I don't hit the top, the golden buzzer until I've tried to watch the top five, unless something's really exceptional. Um, it's got close. Um, but one of the films that I put on the list this year was a film called The Strange Way of Life. It is a cowboy film about um, two former lovers who meet up in the desert after years of not seeing each other because something from their past is now affecting their future and it affects their lives. And it's Ethan Hawke and it's Pedro Pascal. That's why it was put on the list. Um, But it's a short. It's a 30-minute short and it has no right to be on this list because there is no way it was ever going to be in the cinema. Uh, It was going to be up. Oh, Film 4 have got this like two years later or maybe it's on BBC4 possibly for Christmas talking about arts and crafts and how short films should be made, that kind of thing. So I never expected it to appear in the cinema at all. And then the Oscars 18 months ago changed their rules and said that as of the 2024 Oscars, if you wish to be considered you need general release for films. Um, You don't just need... You need to go to all the film festivals if that's what you want to do, especially if you're more of an indie crafty kind of thing or a documentary. But you need people to view it. And they announced this film and they have to appear in so many cinemas across America and so many other... And like in three other territories around the world. But that's it. So, you know... And after the Cannes Film Festival, when this film was premiered, and then after it had its Spanish Q&A and its huge release there, it, about a month ago, um, they announced that this is going to be in cinemas for one night only in the UK. And I'm 
going to have to go all the way up to London, aren't I, and pay a fortune and sit in the um, BFI cinema with all the people that take this even more seriously than I do and go, oh, this is this film and that is that film. So I was sitting there busy going, that's okay. I know that you're up again, but you know what? Because it's Pedro Pascal, it might actually appear on BBC4 at some point at the end of the year, especially as it's parfait, um, because they're the distributors for it here. So I sat here. No, I sat at work on Thursday last week, and I have my phone on my desk at work um, in case... My boss needs to call me if they're out at a meeting or there's a WhatsApp going on. And just for the general news in general. And it was about 9.15 and one of my friends in one of my Pedro chats messaged and went, I'm going to see Strange Wild Life today because it's out here. I was like, oh, okay, lucky you. And I was like, I'll just, I'll just click and I'll just see. Because it's on Google, you can click on, you can type in a film name and it will come up with who's in it, videos, trailers, posters, showtimes. So I clicked on Showtimes and it came up that it was at the Duke of York's on the 25th of September. And I was like, mm, okay, the Duke of York's, that's, that's doable. The Duke of York's is a grade two listed building, which I do believe the Grand Old Duke of York from the song The Grand Old Duke of York opened years ago, which is why it's called the Duke of York's. Um, I've never been because it is quite expensive and a lot of their tickets go to their members who pay for the restoration and the charity and things like that. I was like, okay. So I sat there and I was more than willing to part with my 15 quid to go and see it and the Q&A. And I was just like, I've got two local independent cinemas less than a five-minute drive away from me in Worthing. We'll just, we'll just click on that button. So I didn't go to the dome because I thought, nah, because those chairs weren't comfortable. I was like, just click on the Connaught in Worthing. At 8.15 on the 25th of September 2023, I am going to go and see the Q&A and the showing of Strange Way of Life. Ah! Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> um, that was the one I was pretty sure would not be ticked off the list this year, especially now, thinking, now that things are being moved around, there's actually going to be a few more bits that won't be on there. But that was the one that I was pretty certain that if anything was going to be missed off the list this year, it was going to be a strange way of life. But no, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to watch Pedro Pascal in that little bandana. And yeah, and even Hawk being all like surly and putting a gun in his face. I mean, like, the issue is, and my friend has now seen this and she came out of the cinema and she is queen. I love you, Dexia. I do, but you are queen of spoiling things. Uh, I know I do this semi-professionally and it's what I love and I try to always warn people if I'm going to spoil it. Um, but she came out, she's like, oh my God, and I was like, don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you, and literally the entire group chat was full of people going like, no, we're all trying to work out how we can see this film, don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare, and I was like, well, definitely don't you dare because I'm going. <laughs> she's like, all right, calm down. Just like, we just need to know, did you enjoy it? She's like, yes. <laughs> like, thank god for that so yeah i am going to the balcony um screening of it and i'm gonna sit there for an hour and just be like oh, i'm gonna sit there wearing my glasses being all properly like this is this is what i want i want 
to be sat there watching an indie film, which is a short, in a cinema, which has got little fairy lights hanging from the ceiling, and criticising and critiquing, not criticising, but yeah, because yeah, I'm a critic, um, watching these films and being like, yeah, my opinion is valid on this, that makes sense. So I seriously can't wait for the 25th of September. I know I'm recording this right now on the 19th of August. It's still way away. But it will come around pretty soon. Because there was something I was looking at the other day. I was like, that's next week now. So, no, this is going to be, this is going to be good. And yeah. I'm also quite grateful that there's bits that have been linked online, which we've tried to avoid, but there's some things that you just can't. We all watch the trailer, we've all seen the poster, we've all seen some of the press, and we've all seen that one still. And it's like, okay. And I am actually quite grateful that I have seen that in advance. It means that when it comes on in the film, I might sit there and go, okay. But I will not have the initial freak out that I had when I first saw that. Um, I'm not going to say it um, because some of you are going to be waiting to see it. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope my friends also get their tickets for it. problem is because they're all, all over the place, so we're going to get tickets on a different day. I know that um, for UK ones, we'll try and get them for the 25th because that's the day it's being shown. And also, if it's doing this, it means that it's likely to get nominated for Best Short or Best International Feature at the Oscars. You never know. Might get some more Pedro at the Oscars next year. Which is always a very good thing. So yeah, I'm going to see Strange Man Life on the 25th of September. And that was not meant to be eight minutes long, but I went off on very different tangents and it had to happen because it had to make sense and you had to understand it. So yeah, me and Pedro watching it on the big screen. Happy days. I am so excited. Time for this fortnight's big review, which is actually going to be pretty short because I don't have that much to say about it, but I needed to say something about it. I went to go and see Haunted Mansion this fortnight. Um, mm, I'll hear you say, you don't do horror and you've never liked Haunted Mansions as a kid or scary rides at a theme park. So yeah, that's true to this day. I don't like going on fright nights. If I go on a fright night, I do it to go on a rides and not to go in the mazes. I haven't got time to go in the mazes. No, I don't want actors leaping out at me. Not my kind of thing. I was intrigued by Haunted Mansion because of its release date. And I was sitting there thinking, and they got, no one went to see it in America. I think it's opening weekend in America, something like 15 million quid. I was like, okay. So, yeah, I decided we'll go and have a look at Haunted Mansion. It wasn't fun. I'm sorry, it just was not fun at all um as an adult with certain members of that cast you expect there to be um an Owen Watson wow at some point you know to pay it off for the adults that are taking their kids from the aged 8 to 14 to see it not one not one payoff of a wow especially as Owen Watson's going to be in very soon when Loki's out you know, that's huge. There's even adverts for McDonald's at the moment with Loki in it. So, you know, Morbius is going to be in, so is Owen Wilson, and it's going to be a big thing. But nah, not one wow. Also, the lead was one of the guys from Get Out. Not Don't Kill, love the other one. Um, 
and obviously he's stuck in a haunted mansion and you want him to survive and you want him to live. So you spend the majority of the film as someone that watches Get Out and enjoys Get Out, sitting there, busy going to him, you need to get out, mate. Yes, seriously, you need to get out. Which, you know, is a little bit contradictory. But you do, you sit there doing that and you laugh at your own joke. And, yeah, it was... Its release date was completely wrong. I'm not sure what Disney... Disney aren't having a good time at the moment. Obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy and Little Mermaid did extremely well for them, but Indy didn't take that much money. I know that I've done a previous podcast where I've talked about the fact that Indy did make money, but I've looked overall at the recent stats now that Indy's almost out of all of the cinemas, and he did make a loss, which was a shame. And you sit there and you go, oh, poor Indy, and you do that. But that, along with this for Haunted Mansion... Um, I think Haunted Mansion didn't even make its money back um, before from the advertising budget that it had, let alone the um, actual making fee, which is a huge shame because, you know, Disney put their money and their effort into it and lots of people acted in it. And, you know, I know I'm not the person that goes and watches Haunted Mansion films and is that I am not the target audience. I am fully aware of that. However, it also had the worst release date. Why Why release it now? Your audience are watching Barbie. And you can sit there and go, well, they've released the Meg. The Meg is a different audience to Haunted Mansion. <laughs> um, the Meg is your monster action people and Jason Statham punching shark people. I mean, that category included. Um, but you've come out at, in the same weeks where there's the biggest box office fight in history, which isn't a fight, because we all know Barbie's going to win, but we also know that Oppenheimer's probably going to be the second biggest grossing film after that of the summer. We're not including Super Mario Bros. It came out in March. <laughs> Um, so, but that's still the highest grossing film of the year. Uh, but it's come out at a completely wrong time. It didn't make me jump. Its morals weren't necessarily that good. The CGI looked dated. It looked like it has been something that was made in 2005 and had now suddenly been like, oh, we never finished that film, we'll just update it and make get people to come back and do their lines now. And I had a cast that it shed a word and it had a story and it had moles and it had this and it had everything where you think actually this could be really good. If they had waited and put this out at the end of September for the start of spooky season, you know, being the gun starter, it would have done pretty well because you'll have kids going, Well, well I haven't seen a film since I saw Barbie Mum. Oh, we'll take you to see Haunted Mansion, that's fine. Yeah, that's going to be more entertaining than some of the other animated and kids stuff. So we'll take you to see that, definitely, that's fine. But they've brought it out of the wrong point. And... Maybe it was Jared Leto. I'm not sure. But there were so many bits of it which just didn't work, which meant that the bits that you did enjoy, you had such a long build-up to get to that point that it dragged along and dragged along and dragged along. Basically, any point where Danny DeVito or Tiffany Haddish were in it was fun and entertaining, and the rest of it was just a little bit like... Okay. And... 
yeah i'm gonna stop because otherwise i will get really angry and i'm actually going out in a minute <laughs> i don't want to be angry when i go and pick my friends up and i go how are you and I'm like, i've just spent 10 minutes moaning about a film on a podcast and i'll go you have a film podcast I'm like, you don't listen <laughs> i know they don't which is a shame i'm gonna get that's my goal for this evening to get my friends to listen to this episode and see if they actually message back when we get to this point if they've got this far because it's another episode <laughs> but yeah haunted mansion suffers from it's poor script it's lack of fun um the fun being far too serious not playing into things that are going to be crowd praising for people that are likely to go and see this and pay off and it just i could have actually done a lot more with my big review of the fortnight but i thought no we need to address this issue um I know I've previously said that films don't make 300 million and whatever, but if this film had come out at the end of September, start of October, this film could have made 300 million and not been deemed a flop. It's not even going to get to 200 million, is it? <sighs> yeah, that was more of a moan about the state of the box office, even though it's been thriving because of Barbenheimer. But, you know. That's what I've got to say about Haunted Mansion. Yeah, uh, it's not the best thing in the world. It really isn't. But, you know, sometimes not all films are great. You need to appreciate that because if you appreciate that not all films are great, it makes the ones that have pleasant surprises, like Gran Turismo, that I said earlier, um, feel much better and bigger. That's my review. And that's what I have to say about Haunted Mansion. <laughs> that is that for this fortnight's episode thank you all so much for listening as always it's really appreciated that you give up some of your time once a fortnight to listen to me ramble on about films so yeah cheers for doing that people the next episode will be the 6th of september that feels like a long time away but it's not it'll get here really quickly because guess what 21st got here quickly as well yeah um that episode will include because today's the day today is five years since i've met dave york so yeah that's what we're gonna do and that is gonna be fun and yes we're gonna chat dave york we're not gonna properly do dave york because i've realized my laptop hasn't got the capabilities to do it but we will readdress that at another point i promise you but until then you know where to find me it is popcorn underscore four underscore one on Twitter, Instagram, um, threads and letterboxed. And it is popcornforone.co.uk for the blog in its entirety and to see all my film review postings. Um, yeah, but until then, peoples, look after yourselves, be good to one another and the rest will take care of itself. And I will see you all on the 6th of September. Take care. Bye.